Um, well, I did want to um, give you a message today and uh, start this new series on believing what Jesus said. Uh, there are three parts to discipleship that I just keep coming back to over and over and over. Uh, these are things I've learned in my life and learned through study and theology and so forth. Uh, but one area is believing what Jesus said. At the core of our following of Jesus, it kind of does come back to this idea of believing what Jesus said. Uh, he said some crazy things uh, during his ministry uh, that changed people's lives and created an incredible movement that became a worldwide movement. Actually, that was my, uh, in seminary, that was my church history class, was the worldwide Christian movement. When you think of it in those terms, that this thing changed the world and is still changing the world. Um, I'm going to read uh, today from Matthew chapter 4, and this is the temptation of Jesus. Uh, and I've preached on this before, but I'm going to focus on one key area. So this is Matthew chapter 4, verses um, 1 through 4, okay? Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And this is what Jesus answered in verse four. Jesus says this, it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Okay, so here, here's the thing. Uh, as I look at this passage, my just a first observation when I read this passage um, was, do I actually believe that I need something more than bread, you know? Or is it that I can live on bread alone? Uh, you think about this idea of uh, him being hungry and needing this bread. And he, Jesus needs this bread, okay, being flesh. Um, but Jesus brings this idea of uh, that maybe something that we can consider today is, you know, do I really believe that, that man, that we don't live just on bread, on physical things and physical nourishment? Like, that's the, one of the core thing here. Like, do I believe that, you know, it's more than just that? Or, yeah, can you live on just bread alone? Here's why this is so important, okay? Here's why this is so important. Um, what I found in life and uh, in my life with Jesus and what I see around this world is that the desire for life, okay, will shape your life. Let me say that again. The desire for life will shape your life. Okay. Just ponder that for a second. This is a powerful desire. The desire for life to live, to thrive, okay, to have better. That desire will shape how you view the world, will shape what you do in your life. It will essentially shape your behaviors and what you do. An example of this is how... Um, uh, especially us as Americans, how we've responded to COVID, we having to stay home. Fear crept in. Like we desire life so much that fear creeps in and makes us do some maybe to you extreme things, getting toilet paper, run on the bank, you know, get all your money in cash, whatever it may be, right? Um, now, for other people, um, that looks like, um, you know, no, 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 no. I have this desire for life, so I'm not going to stop my life no matter what the threat is. Do you see the same principle in both those ideas? Like there are some people out there that are doing, uh, are, are not taking recommendations from the CDC or whoever is recommending things that we think are healthy to do or is safe because their desire for life. It's not that they want to get sick or, you know, they want to hurt people. just have a desire for a certain kind of life. And that desire for life shapes 
life. I think another current example is these essentially nationwide riots you are seeing in large cities across our nation in regards to um, George Floyd. Uh, for those of you who haven't really read about this, um, it's this another one of these uh, situations where uh, 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 police brutality is involved and someone loses their life. And I, find, I just find it interesting again, it's this uh, desire for life that causes us, right, to seek justice. Like they see someone that lost their life, and it's not just in this situation, really many situations, but specifically in this George Floyd situation, lost his life, right? And now we cry out for justice. Now, whether you think how people are doing this is right or wrong, that's kind of the core of this. They desire justice. They feel unsafe. They feel like it's not fair and some they want to be heard. And I think in this is a lot of anger and rightfully placed anger. There's probably years of hurt uh, seeing things happen in our nation or happen in their own individual families and their own individual experiences. But the desire for life will shape your life. Now, in different situations, it calls for different responses. But I want you to be careful, church, as followers of Christ, okay? We bring Jesus into that desire. And you are not like anybody else in this world in that sense. We desire life. Now, the thing for us as followers of Jesus to believe is that true life comes from Jesus. True life comes the relationship with God. That right there is a core part of something to believe, okay, for your life following Jesus and let that shape your life. Okay? Can you live on bread alone? I believe the disciples of Jesus would say, it's not just bread. We don't believe that. We believe it's something more. It's something deeper. I love in this passage that we see this idea of Jesus delaying gratification for deeper satisfaction. That's a mouthful, but just think about that, that there is a um, deep need that Jesus has here. He feels the pain of hunger, right? But somehow in this moment, Jesus is able to set that, understand it, but set it aside so that he can make a choice based on what he understood to be better. Not just what he felt or what he craved. I'll use the word crave because if you were just hungry and you saw bread, you'd crave it, right? Um, not just craving, living off of what you're craving, but living off of what you understand. And Jesus understands this principle that delayed gratification is actually deeper satisfaction. So for our lives, as we desire life, okay, we delay what we maybe think would satisfy or gratify us immediately and maybe have a little pain and suffering so we can experience a deeper satisfaction with God, okay? This passage that Jesus quotes, um, the man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God is from Deuteronomy chapter eight, uh, verses one through three. And I'm actually gonna read those. Um, I just felt like it would be good for you to hear this. Matthew or Deuteronomy chapter eight, verses one through three. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live. There's that word again, live, life, and increase and may enter and possess the land that your Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and test you in order that you would know what, to know what is in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth 
of God. What do you believe, church? Just think about this about your life. Could you do it? Have you been doing it? Maybe there's aspects of our lives that we all kind of don't involve God in. And you know, his word and relationship with him, that's not as important. But we're actually seeking out and living on just immediate gratification, um, physical things, things that make us feel good or bring us happiness in the moment instead of thinking a big picture. I want to give you three ways uh, real quick. Here. I want to give you three ways to foster and cultivate a life that is based on the belief that we do not live on bread alone, but we live on words from God. We live on our relationship. And there's just three things to cultivate a life that is uh, in line with believing that it's not just bread that we live on. Okay. Uh, first, of all, first of all, we see this in the past. is we got to trust a uh, relationship with God. Uh, I want you to think of this idea of like, trusting a relationship okay i can trust in money right i can trust in my own strength uh, i can trust in things that i put together but when i trust in a relationship it's like stepping off a cliff okay for those of you that are married when you said i do at the altar that is like it's crazy step of faith stepping off the cliff you are committing to someone that you don't fully know right or may never fully know uh you are committing to deal with consequences you are unaware of yet that's awesome, right? You have to trust relationship, okay? And with God, we trust relationship. The passage I just read from Deuteronomy, that's what Jesus, what the God the Father was doing, building a relationship. Here am I, okay? There's you. Let's get to know each other. You can trust. I'll provide for you. And in the desert, he provided manna, the substance that kind of was there like dew in the morning, and they can collect it and make bread from it. I will provide for you. You can trust not just this bread. You can trust our relationship, our connection, our my love for you, our history. You can trust relationship and let that be a source of life for you and let that truth shape your life. Okay. Um, I think that what that can look like in your life is a lot of things that I always talked about, but uh, really is just being aware of your need. Uh, you know, it's when we're aware of our need and, and we stop denying those things is when we realize we have to rely on God and we look to someone greater and outside of ourselves. If I could do everything on my own, I wouldn't ask, need any help. I wouldn't look to him, right? Um, if I could figure it out without him, why would I seek him, right? I didn't uh, this morning say, okay, God, I, I need have a list of things I needed because let's face it, I'm not aware of some of those things. I need his protection driving here today. I need his help today. But how much of that was I really aware of that I talked to him about? I would encourage you, maybe it's the start of every day. Maybe it's, um, you know, a few minutes you get. Uh, maybe for me, I'm a journaler, so I write things down to actually write out or to say, I need you today, God. I trust you today. You've been good to me. You've stuck with me all these years. You've proven that you provide, that I can count on you. I just trust you today. I want to trust our, my relationship with you today. Uh, secondly, here's one way you can cultivate a life that is not based on just what this world can give you, physical things, bread, those things, immediate uh, gratification, um, if you would obey his words. Um, as we consider that this uh, verse was, um, these words were said in uh, Deuteronomy, right? And they've already kind of been through suffering, but can you obey his words? And really great way to start doing that, obviously, is reading scripture, no matter what you believe about scripture. But if you start reading scripture, you'll begin to understand that everything that God says says something about himself, 
Let me say that again. Okay, this is kind of my interpretive way of interpreting scripture as I study. Everything God says, says something about himself. Uh, you may never read the Old Testament. You may think it's boring, dusty, old, don't understand it. I get it. Um, but as I read the Old Testament, even the really hard things, even every Ten Commandment, if you think of those, I always ask the question, okay, God's saying something. What does he, is he saying about himself? And so even in some of these crazy Old Testament laws that we don't understand, that we would never practice now, there's something there, a principle, something that is revealing, that God is revealing about himself. And so I would encourage you, um, as you study, read scripture, to ask the interpretive question, okay, what is he saying about himself? And as you uh, read that, as you learn that, you will begin to have a desire to obey him. Another way of saying that is to uh, reflect him in the world that you live in. So obey his commands, his truth, obey his words. That's what Jesus is doing in his fight against temptation here. I also would like to mention that I don't think it would have been a big deal if Jesus had the bread. I mean, the idea is, is that he would be uh, creating a situation where she was an honoring God. And that you get from relationship with him. I also think that you shouldn't read scripture and study and obey God outside of relationship with him. If you do that, it's just legalistic. You're going through a checklist. You know, he wants you to love him. He wants to love you. And he wants you to be able to be aware of that and have relationship with him. Here's a third way. Okay, in your life. And this is, I think, probably the hardest one. Honestly, this is the hardest one. This is the hardest one for me. Uh, is to prioritize spiritual. Okay. Now, most likely, uh, and the stuff that you watch and the stuff that you read online, like I do, uh, people, you know, whether it's online and your social media or your family, your friends, whatever it may be, uh, you know, uh, your workplace, I'm going to go ahead and just guess that the primary influence isn't spiritual, okay? <laughs> something, somebody wants something from you. Somebody needs something from you. Uh, you're trying to make people happy. You're trying to do a good job. Uh, you want to, you know, feel a sense of accomplishment maybe. Uh, you are hungry. You want to eat, you know? I think one of the hardest things to do as we live in this evil, hard world with suffering and pain and our own felt needs is to prioritize the spiritual in our lives. That's what Jesus does. Okay? He prioritizes this relationship that nobody else can actually physically see, right? Like I can see someone that's angry at me. You know, I can see food when I'm hungry, right? You know, I can see, uh, uh, you know, in a workplace working in a job title or, or in a function, right? But my relationship with God, this spiritual thing, this spiritual life inside of me, you, you can't see that. I mean, it's hard for me to see that, Right? So the rhythm, okay, the key is to cultivate a life in which you're prioritizing the spiritual. So you're being intentional about seeing something or focusing on something you don't naturally see or the world around you doesn't normally put in front of you to see, okay? This is where Jesus can live off of what he understood to be the need, not just what he felt to be the need. You will always be putting fires out in a family, in a workplace, in your own heart. You know, there's things that come up. I want to challenge you, church, to cultivate priority on the spiritual so that you can have a rhythm, a rhythm where you're praying, you're seeking God, you are doing these things, not just because you got to put a fire out and you're begging God to do something for you, but because you prioritize the spiritual in your life. That could look like prayer. That could look like reading scripture. That could be um, uh, look like 
um, even taking a fast from something physical. Now, let me explain that real quick. You've heard some of my stories of what I do. But I learned years ago that in order to prioritize the spiritual, you have to, uh, in some ways, bring a discipline or self-control to the physical. So if there's anything controlling your life to change what you understand, to affect your relationship with God, or to even distract you, that you could put a pause on that to be gain freedom from that and kind of the tentacles in your life from that so that you could have a better freedom to be connected and influenced by the spiritual in your life. I remember a friend of mine in seminary, uh, he was telling me about something that he did. And this is before I really started doing this. And I thought, man, I can't believe you're taking a break from, I don't even remember what, exactly what it was, but I just thought it was so, I was like, do you do that for, when you do the church ask you to do that? Was that like a staff thing that all the leaders were doing or something? Like, no, I just felt like this is what God was leading me to do. And, I, and that, that, that always stuck with me. And over the years I've done this, I've taken pauses. I do kind of a year long thing. I don't recommend that necessarily start with something small. I started small things and I started doing these bigger things. Um, this isn't about ego or this isn't about trying to give yourself some big challenge. This is just to consider what could be in my life that's got its tentacles on me, that's keeping me from prioritizing the spiritual in my life. Okay. As I do this, I think about things that I cope with. I think about things that make me feel good. I'm not against feeling good. Okay. Uh, that's not what this is. But the point is, I want to delay gratification for deeper satisfaction. I want to live not on bread alone. I want to take a fast, a separation from that bread, whatever it may be, so that I can realize that he's bread, he's life, his words, his relationship, his life to me. So I take a fast, a break from it. I take you to consider what you're coping, what makes you feel good. Uh, what have you ever thought uh, or what have you thought in your life you've never actually gone without? This is going to sound so hilarious to you, and you can probably see how there's some vanity in my life. But anyway, I remember uh, when, uh, you know, one thing that I did is I changed my hairstyle, and it was a terrible hairstyle. And I just remember thinking, can you be okay with looking not so great? Okay, can you be okay with that? Now, that's silly. You're laughing right now at me, I know. But the point was, I had to bring into my life some discomfort so that I could turn to him for comfort in a different way, right? Another time, something that I did was, um, uh, you know, something physical. So, you know, I, I've taken a, a fast from sugar, which for me has been one of my biggest coping things, you know, uh, makes me feel great. So I took a fast from that for a year, okay? And I thought it was actually gonna be harder than it was. Uh, but after that year, I realized, you know what, I think I still probably would have a problem with this if I went back into it. So I kind of continue that. So now it's been a year and a half um, of, of having that fast. I may go back to it, may not. I've done all kinds of things. This year, I'm doing a social media thing. Um, I can't even remember other stuff. Oh, I've done a, just not watching shows for a time. Um, I've done all kinds of different things. I'm trying to give you some examples to consider right now. Could you not live without? Because bread in this passage, you can't live without bread. Or can you? What do you believe, disciple? What do you believe, follower of Jesus? Do you believe okay, that you can't live without him? What is in your life right now that you could take a pause from, a break from? Maybe uh, it is a time thing for you. And so what you start doing at the beginning, the first thing you do at the beginning of the day, right, is to do something for God, to, to focus on him, to pray with him, to do something like that. Maybe that's what it is for you. 
Uh, I encourage you to think about your coping thing, the distraction things, the things that I mean, it could be a, an addiction or maybe a habitual thing. Maybe it is a physical thing, something going on. Could you just take a break? Because I would tell you this, until you create some of these fasts from these other things in this world, okay, you won't really be able to have the kind of headspace and heart space to actually experience him and what he can do for you. Let me say that again, okay? When we keep coping, when we keep covering, when we keep trying to make ourselves feel good in these all these different areas, okay? You don't have the space to be able to realize and experience what he can give you. So if you take a fast from it, you can experience what he can give you. I took a fast from sugar for the year, which was, like I said, uh, just like my one of my biggest coping things. And I realized in that space, I felt a lot of discomfort, but in that space, I began to feel, hear, get things from God. And that began to do something in my heart that I would not have experienced had I not taken the fast. I don't know what it is for you. I don't like to list a lot of things that so you'll start feeling self-conscious or something, or you'll start comparing yourself with me, and that's not the point of this. What could you do? What could it be? What's your bread here that you turn away from? Jesus turned away from this making bread here, right? What could it be for you? So I actually just want to pray right now and kind of get our hearts focused on you thinking right now uh, on something that maybe you can physically fast, you can physically say no to so that you can experience and cultivate a life in which you can't live on just bread. Father, right now in this holy moment, I know we're questioning if, our belief here, like, do we really believe that man can't live on bread alone, that it's not by just what we get from this world that we live on, but it's actually relationship from you. Every word that comes from me, every word that tells us something about you. I'm praying right now, Holy Spirit, and just pray that you would lead us. You would lead that person right now thinking about maybe there's something that's that they've prioritized more, they've relied on a coping mechanism, a distracting mechanism. Um, whatever it may be, Lord, I just pray right now that we would be open to your Holy Spirit leading us in taking a break from that so we can cultivate a life and that we live where we do not live on bread alone or what this world gives us, but relationship with you, your words that tell us about you and who you are. Lord, let us do that today in Jesus' name. Amen. For our last song today, um, just going to encourage you. Maybe you sing, maybe you don't, maybe you just ponder uh, kind of what I've talked about today. And would you just be open to the Holy Spirit leading you and maybe something you need to fast and take a break from to prioritize the spiritual in your life. I'm going to invite Roger back on. Uh, thank you, Roger, for leading us today. So blessed to have your leadership, man in this and leading us in worship today, but I'll invite Roger on and he can lead us in our last song. Thank you. What can we say to describe just a glimpse of your glory? How can portray but a thread of your majesty 
but still we praise our Savior in spirit and in truth, for we cannot say enough about you. What can we say? What can we say to describe just a glimpse of your glory? How can our words portray but a thread of your majesty? But still we praise our Savior in spirit and in truth. For we cannot say enough about you. Sing hallelujah. I'll send it back to Nels now. Hi, I'm praying for you, church. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, you know, as I close in prayer here, I'm just going to pray that your heart will continue to be soft. That's so key. Uh, there are many reasons to complain, to be negative. Uh, there are many reasons that would cause your heart to harden. Uh, when we don't have control, when we don't know when or what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, we can get bitter. We can get hard. I want to pray for you today that your heart would be soft. You know, as as uh, Roger led today, it just, yeah, just like this softness I felt in my heart towards the Lord. You know, like I just want the Lord's words to be so good for me, better than anything else in my life. You know, I just want him with me. I want to get up in the morning and want to be with him, you know. Um, and I'm just going to pray that your heart would be soft in this season. I don't know how long this is going to go. Um, but I'm praying that your heart be soft. And also, again, I've said this a million times, I'm here for you. It's my desire 
to help you in your walk with Jesus. Um, and that obviously is not just being in church. And so you can grow in this season. Would you just uh, take a moment and pray with me and just receive this prayer I'm praying for you. Father, today I'm praying for my brothers and my sisters, these wonderful people, this community that you've just gifted to me. Lord, I just pray, Lord, their hearts would be soft, pliable, moldable. Lord, that they wouldn't be hardened by the inconvenience of our life. It wouldn't be hardened by evil. It wouldn't be hardened by the lack of control and the frustrating thing. I pray it would be soft. Father, I pray their hearts would be soft as they uh, as they think about the needs in our local community with the children that maybe are being hurt or don't have food. That, Lord, that in our national um, world, that they that they would be just compassionate and gracious and they would have a soft heart uh, towards uh, the suffering that's going on um, as people are protesting and as things are happening and as they're crying out for just, uh, justice for what's happening, Lord. I just pray in Jesus' name that as the people of God, as your people, our heart would be soft. I pray, Holy Spirit, we'd hear your voice, whether it's in the home, uh, whether it's on a walk, or it's in the car, uh, wherever it may be, that we would hear your voice. And Lord, help us to prioritize the spiritual in our lives. We thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm again thankful for the community of Transforming Life. What a blessing to me, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. I'm here for you. Reach out to me, uh, and we'll see you next week, Sunday, same time, same place, and to encourage you and be with you together online. Bless you. Have a great rest of your Sunday.